Hi, welcome to the Owlet Podcast. My name is Andrea. And my name is Ian. And today we'll be talking about the book Sula by Toni Morrison. Um, this is our second take because we we accidentally deleted the, uh, the data files for our podcast. So if we seem a little bit uh, out of it, um, I apologize in advance for both of us. It is also very late. Um, <laughs> But that's okay. Maybe that'll add to a little bit of a, like a subtle tone. Anyway, um, to get back on topic, yeah. So we're going to be talking about Sula by Toni Morrison. Um, who is Toni Morrison? In my opinion, um, after reading a lot of the major works in her literary canon and um, watching some documentaries about her and reading some some of her literary criticism, um, I would say Toni Morrison uh, can be considered one of the great American authors. Um, up there with like uh, Walt Whitman and Mark Twain and absolutely and even uh, well, yeah the guys from like the early 20th century too um, mm-hmm. though I haven't really read much um, Faulkner or stuff like that anyway um, but she's a great writer um, and for, for Sula a little summary of the plot it's kind of hard to summarize because it's all over the place really um, <laughs> Yes. Um, she she managed to put a lot into 200 pages. But she really did. She packed it tight. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's this girl named Sula. She's in a town called The Bottom. It's actually on top of a hill. Whoa. Um, I would say that the story of Sula, if you're going to summarize a main plot, would be the story of the town, The Bottom. And... Like in The Bluest Eye, she, Toni Morrison, starts us off with an ending. We know that the, when we start the book that the bottom no longer exists, and that's being gentrified. So now, throughout the book, we're trying to figure out, well, what happened to the bottom, and why is it going away? Unlike with The Bluest Eye, when she starts off letting us know that, you know, Pocola is having her father's baby, there's this one storyline that we're following, and Sula is more unpredictable and just kind of talks about life in general it's one of those books that you can just keep reading and reading and you'll find new meaning and a new story each time you read it yeah she definitely put um a lot she like you said she packed it full of stuff like symbolism and like inner meanings and like all this stuff and the book is only about like a little a little more than 200 pages um thank you for taking over on that summary I, i kind of spaced out like i said it is a little late um, it's okay, we all have those moments. Yeah, I say it's late, it's like 7 o'clock, I'm probably going to stay up till like 1 a.m., um, <laughs> but that, that's that's not important. So in, in this uh, episode of the Outlet Podcast, we'll be talking, uh, focusing in Sula about um, three major themes um, and touching on one minor one. Um, we will be talking about women's friendships, um, black masculinity, um, what it means to be a community, mm-hmm. and we will also be touching on um, death within the novel. Um, so we're going to go ahead, we're going to start off with talking about um, women's friendships. And I, I think it's good to start off talking about um, Nell and Sula. Oh, definitely. Nell and Sula, they have the main friendship in the book. The the friendship that's really more the most hashed out in the novel. And I think you know, having a, a book that's so focused on women's friendship, especially black women's friendship, it was so refreshing to read it. Um, and have it be, you know, really real. Even with the drama, there wasn't, <laughs> um, I guess, black stereotypes 
perpetuating throughout the book. You didn't have any of that. It was real human reaction, which was amazing because it humanized black women and didn't reduce us to stereotypes, which is what you see so throughout, you know, media and movies and literature. Um, I think um, in one of her interviews, Morrison is talking about how she wanted to explore the kind of the the strength of a woman's friendship what would it take to break it and is it possible to break it you know what really is it and we see that with Nell and Sula you know they start out as kids as you know the best of friends but Nell is kind of the controlling force in their friendship and Sula is just kind of trying to be like with the moments when they got ganged up on by those boys and she like cut off a little piece of her pinky finger to seem like in control of that situation and you know save Nell and Nell just kind of looks at her like she's horrified um so you know she Sula tries to take control and then it ends up being just a little too much Um, (laughs) and then we we see them uh we see Nell taking control when Sula accidentally kills chicken litter chicken little she's just kind of losing it and Nell is like this calm and steady force um in that situation and it brings them together so this secret um death the secret murder really brings them closer together as friends and then Sula leaves and comes back and commits what you could say is the ultimate betrayal, yeah. which is sleeping with Nell's husband. And Nell is just devastated. But what's interesting is that Sula just really doesn't understand why Nell is upset because they used to share everything. So it's it's interesting to look at these perspectives, this friendship in a different perspective, that Sula is just kind of looking at it as this friendship is unbreakable. We share everything, so nothing is off limits. And Nell is, was at some point thinking about their friendship at that at, in the same way but as she grew and kind of accept accepted herself and put herself into this like stereotypical um stay-at-home mom image you know she um put herself within societal norms now she's you know horrified at the fact that she was up with her husband but towards the end of the book we see that not even that betrayal could really ruin that friendship yeah. you know Nell eventually comes back to Sula and they're talking when Sula is dying and you know their friendship transcends death you know Sula dies and then she's thinking after death that she wished she could tell Nell about it and if if there is anything in this book that really shows the power of friendship it's that one line where Sula is talking from the grave (laughs) yeah and then at the end of the book Nell finally realizes that she you know wasn't upset that Jude left and she wasn't missing Jude her husband she was actually missing Sula so I think Morrison did a really great job in putting their friendship through all of these trials and putting it to the test and just really seeing that friendship can't be broken if you work hard for it. Yeah. Um, with their friendship, 
as well, um, it kind of goes through a little bit of an oscillation um, in terms of their roles. Um, as you mentioned, um, when they were children, Sula was the kind of submissive one, and Nell was kind of the dominant one, a little more controlling, a little, a little you know, knows what, what she's doing type of thing. <laughs> um, but when Sula leaves and then she comes back um, from college um, and she's, she's you know, lived on her own, she's developed her own self, um, she comes back and she's the dominant one. She has money. She kind of does what she wants. She doesn't care what other people think. Um, she doesn't care what society thinks she is supposed to do. Um, whereas Nell has done exactly what society wanted her to do. She got a husband and she became a housewife. Um, and she's she's in discontent, but she's a housewife. She has to raise her children. Um, and that, that's her role. Um, and so we see that flip-flop, but then it oscillates again back to Sula being the submissive one and Nell being the dominant one near the end of the novel when Sula is sick um, she can't do anything she's kind of she's dying in her bed um, and so she she's not able to do anything I don't know how else to put it um, and Nell takes action she becomes in, a, in some way of thinking about it she becomes dominant and goes and visits Sula after this schism in their relationship um, from Sula sleeping with her husband, not talking to each other for so long. And then she's like, you know what, I'll go talk to her. You know, she's she's down bad um, physically um, and maybe mentally, um, probably mentally. Um, but she goes and she talks to her and, you know, she gets her medicine for her. Um, and so that that's an interesting flip-flop um, that goes back and forth. And, it, and, you know, there's a lot that you can draw from that. It, it says a lot. Um, especially about you know what it is like to be um, childhood friends with someone growing up. Usually, there is separation, and when you, you come back, it's, yeah, it's not what you expect. Um, another instance of women's friendships that we can look at is Hannah. Um, that would be Sula's mother and her relationship to women. The, the women in the in the town, they didn't like her. <laughs> yeah, that she, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Um, that the town didn't like Hannah. Um, really for the same reason they end up not liking Sula, because Hannah was just sleeping with all of their husbands. Yeah. Um, so you, we see Hannah and her relationship with women, and how, I guess that would, that would represent in the book, like what would be the expected result of such a betrayal and such a behavior. Um, you know, throughout the book, Morrison is really challenging the readers to kind of let go of the definitions that they use throughout life, you know? Yeah. She's challenging, you know, what friendship means, and she's challenging what love means, and just, like, all these things that we think we know, she's like, nah. Yeah, she, she wants us to rethink <laughs> those those preconceived like, notions. Yeah, she's like, mm, oh, you thought this was love. Well, this is what I think love is. Maybe you should rethink it. And I'm just like, you know what, Toni Morrison? You know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to believe you. Yep. Um, yeah, so, you know, Hannah, she goes around. She sleeps with everyone's husband in the town. Um, maybe not everyone, but, you know, Most a lot of, of them. Yeah, the majority. <laughs> um, and so she's a little resented, but at the same time, she goes back to those same husbands and sleeps with them again. So in some way, the wives kind of respect her for, it's almost like, oh yeah, my man's good enough for this. Um, a compliment. Yeah, yeah, it's like a compliment. A weird compliment. Yeah, but... it's, it's a weird place. <laughs> That's um, true. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. You know um, what's interesting? That Nell and Sula as kids, they didn't really like their moms. 
and then they end up becoming exactly like them as yeah. they get older. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Because <laughs> Sula, you know, pretty much ends up being her mom. You know, not caring about ev- what anybody thinks. She's not attached to a man. And then Nell, who didn't want to be anything like her mom, ends up being in that exact same position. Yeah. So I guess... Is Toni Morrison trying to tell us that we can never escape our parents? Yeah, it's, What's happening? Yeah, it's... Damn. Yeah, I guess. I, <laughs> I, I'm thinking of, like, Sigmund Freud, but at the same time, like, I, I just know there's something with the mother, and I don't know, like, what it is, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> make a connection there. Anyway, um, the, the next thing that we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to uh, touch on black masculinity. Um, and so we have, we have two little sections um, that we want to break this down to, and we'll start, we'll start off with the first one. Um, so in Sula, um, there is a instance in which, like, so uh, the betrayal, kind of. Um, you have you have Drew, Jude, who, growing up and just being an adult, he wanted to be uh, masculine. He wanted to embrace this masculinity um, because throughout his life he was um, some, like, not physically, but he was emotionally and maybe mentally emasculated um, by his surroundings. Um, he wanted to be masculine, and he was denied this masculinity um, by a yeah, good job. yeah by the time by the town of Medallion, um, the the white town of Medallion, um, and so he it's almost like he embraces the masculine role, you know, quote unquote, of not being tied down, maybe, um, because he does sleep with Sula. But then he doesn't go to Nell and apologize and he do all leaves. that. Yeah, he just, he just, he nopes out of there and he just leaves. He nopes out. Yeah, he's like, mm, later. Um, that was a little strange. Yeah, it there was abrupt. There wasn't any like, oh, okay, I made a mistake, take me back. None of that. It was just like, mm, I got caught, so I'm out. So did he really want to be there in the first place? Or maybe he was trying to fulfill this role of masculinity by having kids because what he really wanted was a good job yeah. you know the the job of a white man that was being that he was denied yeah um and then we also see with ajax in a similar way with betrayal ajax he can be seen as kind of like the privileged masculine male insofar that he doesn't have anything that ties him down and he kind of does what he wants he's almost like sula yeah um, and he, he becomes Sula's, I don't want to say partner, but they're, they're lovers. Lovers. Um, Friends with benefits. Yeah, and they, they do a little here and there. And uh, Sula starts to catch feelings. And Ajax doesn't like that. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so he also nopes out. He's, he's gone. Um, nope's out. He's, he's gone. <laughs> and that hurts Sula. But he, he takes this, he's like ultra masculine and just being able to like, yeah, no one can tie me down. I don't have feelings. I'm just like I do what I want. My name's Ajax, um, and I, I just think that's very interesting. It, this this theme of betrayal um, is very prevalent throughout this novel. Betrayal following masculinity. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Which you could also put that with Plum, right? the ultimate betrayal. His mom kills him. Yeah, he's <laughs> um, oof, like a candle. Yeah, uh, like a candle. Um, it's interesting because you know Plum goes off to war which is arguably the most masculine thing you can do yeah you know um he goes off to war and he comes back changed you know at this time they weren't you know 
really looking at the mental health of soldiers. So he comes and he's completely destroyed and he eventually turns to drugs. And then Eva kills him because she wants him to die as a man and die with dignity. So that would mean that to her and in her society, that what Plum was doing wasn't the definition of manhood. He couldn't show that he was hurting. Yeah. Show that he was troubled. He had to, you know, be strong and be a provider. And she she said he he was going to crawl back into her womb. So he was acting like a baby instead of a man and she wanted him to die with dignity. So yeah. she burns him alive. I I feel like there were so many other ways she could have done that, but this is the way yeah, that she I mean, chose. Fire's a little dramatic, so it's maybe, maybe that's dramatic. why. Um, and you also see this this sort of maybe toxic side effects of uh, this ultra-masculine, I keep saying that, of this like high-masculine act of fighting for your country and going off to war. You kind of see these toxic side effects of having a lot of like mental... Um, handicaps and illnesses that are a side effect you know with plum he, he has some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder they would have called it shell shock syndrome mm-hmm. um, and he's definitely gone through a lot of trauma um, World War one was pretty brutal um, but you also see this with Shadrach he has you know it's very evident that he has something something going on mm-hmm. um, and he can't control it and the community ostracizes him for it. They kind of, they're just like, oh yeah, he's the weird guy. He's, he's loony. He's got some screws loose. Mm-hmm. Um, his way of coping, um, since he doesn't have someone to light him on fire, <laughs> he, um, he decides, you know, he's scared of death. So uh, January 3rd, I believe, he, he declares it National Suicide Day. He walks around like, like the end is nigh type of guy um, with a bell. And he's <laughs> like, if you want to kill yourself or if you want to die, today is the day. Um, oh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Um, but people kind of ignore him at first, but eventually they get used to him. They accept National Suicide Day. Yeah. They start talking about their lives around this day. Like, oh, this, this last, like, people would talk about Thanksgiving. Like, oh, this last Thanksgiving I did this. Oh, no, this last National Suicide Day I went to the hairdresser. Like, it's interesting that they accepted Shadrach into the community. But Shadrach, although he was a little crazy... He did, um, she, what was I to say? He did, like, make some money. He was productive and <laughs> gave back to the community. Yeah. You know, he did all the fish, the fishing, and he sold fish to the community, which is probably why he survived, unlike Plum, who didn't provide anything. Yeah, he was just a drunkard. So um, even though they both were came back with these mental illnesses, which in... Which, you know, even today, um, it's very taboo for men to talk about mental illness and emotion, and especially it's prevalent throughout the, the black community that we don't, we don't talk about feelings, therapy is overrated, all of that stuff. So it makes sense that men who are showing their mental trauma would be seen as not masculine in that yeah. way. And, you know, even though Jude and Ajax may not be the best definition of men <laughs> with their sexual betrayal, um, they would still be seen as like this pinnacle of black masculinity because you know they get all the women and they. Yeah, they they kind of do what they want. They provide. Um, and you know, speaking, you know, to do a little bit of a segue here into our next topic, um, the community coming together 
with Shadrach. It looks like Adobe Flash Player is updating. You can remind me later. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so the, the community comes together with Shadrach eventually, near the end of the novel, um, and they finally accept him. Um, and so this, this comes after Sula dies. And so let's, let's throw some little context in here. Mm-hmm. The town hated Sula. Oh, they they hated. absolutely hated Sula. But um, there was like a, was like a double-edged sword. One, there's Sula. Oh my God, so horrible. Um, but uh, but their hatred banded them together. Yeah, so. Maybe not a sword, but um, like maybe <laughs> like a, a spork or something. I mean, it could be a sword because something I didn't think about before. When Sula comes back, she comes with this plague of robins, right? And, you know, robins usually symbolize death. So could it be that Sula was the death of the bottom? I would say maybe, yeah. Um, because they, so, they, so, okay, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Okay, so the bottom did not like Sula. No. Um, and because she was sleeping with everyone, but just once, so it wasn't like a redeemable compliment. <laughs> right? It was an insult to the women. So, you know, she threw them away, and so the wives had to pick up their men's egos. So they actually became better wives yeah, they, and more attentive. They morally uplifted themselves. Right? Um, and so that was a good thing about Sula being around. But when S- S- Sula died, um, they went back to their old ways of not being morally uplifted. Um, and so they... There's a period after Sula dies um, where the weather's really bad. There's a fa- there's famine. Mm-hmm. Um, jobs are hard to get, um, and the town is suffering pretty pretty hard. The town is down bad, um, and so when Shadrach comes out with his with his next instance of National Suicide Day and he's he's ringling and down the down the road, the town decides, you know what, this is something that can band us together. Maybe they don't say that, but it, you know, maybe, they maybe that's what they were thinking. Come out and participate in the parade for the first time. So it's the first time they've actually done anything as a community, even though I wouldn't call the bottom a community. Oh, yeah, well, I would, <laughs> um, but we're also getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway, so they they all band together and they follow Shadrach and then they die. So and here's and then they die in this tunnel collapse. Yeah. See, so the first time they try to be a community, they fail epically because they die. Well, so I would not say that they're a community. Well, yeah. So so at the end of the parade, they go to this this uh, construction site where they're building a tunnel under a river where they refuse to hire black workers, and because of the I guess I suppose anger. Um, um, they they beat up the thing and it ends up the tunnel ends up collapsing and killing the majority of the town. Um, but so you don't think that it is a community? Elaborate. Well, to me, a community would be not just you know a group of people in the same place. Maybe they have the same mindset, but a community is a, a you know a group of people that have shared experiences and maybe shared trauma but they want to come together to uplift each other and you know bring themselves out of maybe a situation that they were they want to make the place that they live in and their community better as a whole just for the sake of betterment not just because they banded together for their hatred of one person okay um so i i have a differing opinion um my opinion you know my definition of community is a little more general 
um, and it may not be as as backed up as yours. But um, so I, I think that a, a community could really just be a group of people that are brought together by a common cause. They don't have to live in the same place. In this case, they do. Um, but it's a it's a, pe- a group of people that are affected by the same surroundings. Um, in the case of the bottom, there's Medallion, um, the the white town um, at the bottom of the hill, um, at the bottom of bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the weather. Um, there's the famine after Sula dies, as well as the bad weather. And then there's Sula. They're all affected by Sula. Um, there's generational trauma, as you mentioned, um, and there's an acceptance of like idiosyncrasies within the community all the nuances and and that that can be seen with shadrach um they're all you know it's a weird thing someone going around like hey kill yourself like that's kind of insulting but they accept it and it becomes an idiosyncrasy because they understand and they he becomes part of the community becomes a staple of the community um and they, they also all gossip they're very gossipy um so maybe that's a community trait Ooh. okay okay um i see what you're saying <laughs> They, they also they all came out to Chicken Little's funeral, albeit it, it was not They did not go selfless. to support that mom, okay? They went to, um, I guess, look at their own um, demise. Perhaps. Um, maybe, yeah. But so, so, yeah, we do have some differing views of community, I guess, but... Um, no matter what view you take, there's, there's, you can still gather so much. That's, that's the wonder of Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of demise, um, let's move on to talking about death. Um, in this novel, death can be divided into two different categories. Um, they're, they're juxtaposed categories. You have death by fire and death by water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll go ahead. I'll start talking about death by fire. Um, so the entire Peace family, and that would be Sula's family. You got Eva, Sula, Hannah, and Plum and the one daughter that goes away and is never spoken of again. Um, so in the novel, three of them die. You have Plum that gets um, set on fire by Eva. Um, by Eva. You get Hannah who dies by fire from a, a supposed accident mm-hmm. um, with a cooking fire while Sula was watching. And you get Sula who dies by a fever, a fever um, which is like a fire in the mind. Um, I had to say that all dramatically. Um, so there, there has to be. I, I think that there's definitely a connection here. The whole this, these are the only people who die by some sort of fire in mm. in the novel, and perhaps it can be symbolic of you know these are the people that were going against societal norms. You got Plum who wasn't being masculine. You have Hannah who was you know, sleeping around with everyone on multiple wasn't times. Wasn't attached to a man. Yeah, wasn't attached to And then you have Sula who did whatever the hell she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also did the same, some of the same things that Hannah did, but she also just didn't do anything society wanted to do. And just like a, f- a flame is unmoving, it's very chaotic, um, and it can spread from one thing to another, um, does kind of what it wants, does, is not confat. Com- Confined. confined. Yeah, I was about to say confounded. That doesn't make sense. As long, it's not confined um, as much. Perhaps that is why um, they all died by fire. And the other way um, that death shows up is its opposite. It's by water, something that is confined. Take it away. So the water death, we have Chicken Little, um, who Sula actually killed by accident, threw him into the lake, and none of, neither Sel, um, now nor Sula tried to, you know, go in and help the poor child. Um, and then the town was killed in the tunnel collapse and he drowned in the water. 
And to me, what happens in both of these cases is like some sort of identity is taken away. We are told in the novel that Chicken Little was, you know, gone for three days and by the time they got him back, he was unrecognizable. You know, the water took away his identity. And then when the town, when, when half the town really dies in that tunnel collapse, the bottom is pretty much erased at that point. Yeah. So the identity of the bottom, the place, not the community, <laughs> is, um, is gone. You know, it's destroyed by the water. But the fire, to me, the fire deaths um, could also be a, a way to show, um, I guess, that love can be kind of chaotic and all-consuming. Oh. Right? Because really, when, when the book is talking about love, we see it a lot with the Peace family. When yeah. the, it talks about love. Even, you know, right before Hannah dies in, in the book, she asks Eva if she ever loved them, you know? And maybe Eva's love is all-consuming. You know, the fire consumes Plum, and the fire consumes Hannah, who arguably you would say that she loved very much, both of her children in, you know, very different ways, you know? She, to her, she loved Plum enough to let him die with dignity, so she killed him. And Hannah, she literally jumped out of a window. Yeah. With one leg to try to oh, yeah, save that, her. I, I always forget that she had one she leg. One leg. That's You have to have a lot of, like, jumping strength. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, well, there probably wasn't glass, was there? No, she jumped oh, through, the through the window. Uh-huh, through the glass. Whoa. Um, so, you know, she, she sacrificed herself to try to save Hannah. So she definitely loved them. Um, so maybe that's why they died by fire. You know, yeah. love was too strong. Yeah. Um, th- throughout the whole novel, there's there is a lot um, with the community of bottom mm. of the bottom. The, the community, I emphasize that. On <laughs> um, th- there's definitely a lot, and there's there's a lot to unpack out of this book. You could talk about it for hours. Um, you really could. And that that's the wonder of Toni Morrison. You mentioned it earlier. Um, she brings like a genuine representation of being black in America, being a female, um, and the intersectionality of being both black and female in America. Mm -hmm. And it is refreshing, and she does it in such a brilliant way. Um, Being as someone who's an avid reader of literature, um, it was refreshing to have like a genuine representation um, of the the perspective of being um, a different type of person. I'm I'm white and I'm male, I'm like the generic person. so, you know, one of the reasons I like to read literature is to get these different perspectives. It helps me empathize and, you know, stuff like that. And Toni Morrison did a wonderful job. You know, a lot of American literature before Toni Morrison, it can be a little bit, eh, I don't know, not very um, kind to mm-hmm. marginalized peoples. Um, but so, that, yeah, no, that's the wonder of, of Toni Morrison. She's such a great author. Rest in peace. I forgot she died. Up, uh, oops. Um... But, you know, there's definitely a lot, especially in Sula. It's like this with all of her novels. Um, the book is about 200-some pages, um, but there's so much. I mean, we so just, much to unpack. Yeah, we just spent like 31 minutes loosely talking about some some themes. There are mm-hmm. so many more things that you could talk about, and you could definitely talk about any of the things that we've talked about in so much more detail. You know you know what's my favorite moment of this book? What? The how she writes Nell's reaction to Jude leaving. Uh That is my favorite moment, right? Because 
I feel like it just so it was so genuine and so real because a lot of times especially when you're portraying a black woman in media you know if you're if the husband cheated and left you're gonna get like the stereotypical crazy ratchet black woman you know she's gonna go crazy and you know beat up the woman or you know throw the man out throw his clothes out the window burn it or something like that but Nell just kind of like came into herself and she was just like sitting on the bathroom floor just trying to figure out what to do next and I feel like that one moment for me just really made it clear to me how amazing Toni Morrison is as a writer because I don't think you could get a more real reaction unless you were there you know it was I think that was my favorite moment just how real she makes each character to the reader is amazing she is the most brilliant writer i've ever read yeah um so thank thank you for uh tuning in and listening to this episode of the owlet podcast um the title of this episode we forgot to mention is the wealth of sula um and you know we, we chose that title really i, I chose the title i'm sorry no, it's, um, it's, it's um sula in it's italics just, it's just there's so much you could talk about with sula it's one of those books you will read and read and never be bored of. Yep, for sure. Um, I rented it for this this course, but I'm going to buy it. Definitely. Um, once I get paid. I've got another week. Um, <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, but anyway, thank you for listening. Um, there's a piano behind me, so we'll do a little send-off jingle. Um, do-do-do, Sula.